the 1-2 pitch. He struck him out looking, raised the Jolly Roger in Cincy. The Pirates blank the Reds. Well, that's one way to answer the questions of whether or not Trevor Williams would be able to continue those final 13 starts of the year last year when he posted an ERA of 1.29. I think we got a pretty good feeling about how Trevor feels about that. We talked about it in the pregame show. He showed us it during the game. And now we'll talk about it more in today's postgame show, brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman, Craig Riley, alongside Jack Zarensic. We'll take you up for the next hour, breaking down everything about today's game. Trevor Williams is scheduled to join us a little bit later in the show, but Jack... I want to open things up talking about what is absolutely the story of this game, Trevor Williams establishing himself in game one. What did you make of his start? Well, he, yeah, I mean, he, he, what he did was he just picked up where he left off last year. I mean, I, we were all kind of curious on that second half they had. Is this, is this the guy? Is he going to be, continue to do this throughout the course of the year? Well, he got off on the right foot today because he was outstanding. I think what I really liked about Trevor Williams today was it was 16 of 21 first pitch strikes, 59 of 80 pitches for strikes. It's that sort of aggressiveness we saw in the second half last year where he goes to the mound and says, you know what I'm going to throw. Here it is. Try to hit it. And he just lays it out there for guys. He is not afraid to be exactly who he is as a pitcher, and I love that about him. You know, what's interesting about this is you had Tyone the other day through 83 pitches, 60 strikes. Today, Williams throws 80 pitches, 59 strikes. That's both of those guys. That's really quality balls and strikes. So Trevor Williams, you know, we talked about how he does it, and he was, as you stated, he just he's a very, very efficient guy. And not just on the mound, at the plate today, too. How nice was that to see from Trevor Williams? Well, we talk about this a lot, and we will throughout the course of the year about pitchers hitting, and I think he had one RBI coming into the game I think he just had a handful of hits last year, three or four. So he got a hit when he needed it today, and that's good. He got an RBI, two RBIs, in fact. I'm going to go ahead and name him today's most valuable hitter, brought to you by Monongahela Valley Hospital, putting your health first. Let's go ahead and bring in John Wayner. He was on the call for today's game. John, what did you make of seeing Williams sort of picking up where he left off last year? I mean, that's as good as you could have hoped for, I imagine. Hey, John, you got us. All right, we'll try to get back in touch with John in a little bit. Jack and I will keep taking you through here still. Jack, some of the other things I like looking at the bats today, that Frazier-Marte combo we saw at the top of the order in the eighth inning. Frazier gets on with the bunt, gets to second, Marte knocks him in. That is going to be a huge one-two punch if they can get going this year, I think. And what's interesting is, you see so many of these clubs put that shift on and very few guys will bunt that ball down a third base I'm not uh, area anything. just like Frazier did today. And, and quite frankly, you know, I'm not sure why we even make a throw to first base on that play. It was clearly a, ba- a base hit bunt, but uh, the error, the bad throw gets him to second base. But that is right. I mean, we talked about Frazier being the one guy in this lineup that looks like the leadoff hitter. Now you got Marte in the two spot. If Dickerson continues you know, to do what he did a year ago and, and maybe add more power this year. They're looking for him to drive and run. So, you know, that gives you a solid one, two, three in your lineup. That was exciting, too. I mean, the lineup looked good top to bottom. You saw a bunch of guys get involved today. Josh Bell drives in a run. Corey Dickerson drives in a run. We talked about Williams that he drove in. A lot of different guys getting in on the action today is, I think, what's going to be a key for this team. I, I don't know if they have that big bopper that's just going to drive in runs constantly for them. 
So to see them sort of manufacture runs, like you said, with Frazier looking at what the defense was giving him and just being willing to take it is a good sign, I hope, of things to come this year for the offense. Yeah, and I think that's what this club is. I mean, you look at it right now, you're not sure what kind of power you're going to get from Kong. You're hoping that he he is the gong that a few years ago, but he hasn't played in two years. You're hoping Josh Bell can can supply some of that. But the one thing is when you look at the lineup, you have Frazier that can get on base. You have Marte can get on base. You know, Dickerson can. Cervelli's a good hitter, you know, for the position he plays clearly. So, I mean, it's going to have to be one of those lineups that are going to be able to um, maybe not wear you down in terms of hitting the ball out of the ballpark, but they're going to be guys that hit the ball to the gap, guys that get on base, guys that can drive in runs when the opportunity. But, you know, today I think with, with Pittsburgh Strand, 11 or 12 guys today, so it looked like they had opportunities to score a lot of runs. They scored five, but the opportunities to score more were there. One of the other big storylines of the game for me was the, the Clint Hurdle decided to use Felipe Vasquez late in the game. They're up 5 nothing, not a save situation. And then you see oftentimes, like you do, closers brought in in non-save situations maybe falter a little bit. What did you make of Hurdle's decision to use Vasquez there with another game tomorrow? Well, I think it turned out well. I mean, for the simple reason, you had Musgrove, who's going to make a start on Friday, which I think a lot of people were surprised. At least I was a little surprised when he was out there warming up. He got into the game, but he got two innings in. He needed that, you know, just to get himself in position. Now you got Vasquez back on the mound. Then you have Keller who got in the game as well. So, you know, as it all turned out, you're right. Sometimes those closers come in in safe, non-safe situations. But, you know, I think what Clint was trying to do, you have an off day on Tuesday. So if, if we can get Vasquez, who was terrific in spring training, one, two, three, then we have a chance to use him tomorrow. You got the off day Tuesday. But it turned out where, you know, three guys that need work got work today. And they talked about it during the broadcast that they held Vasquez to the 25 pitches. So it's likely he's still available tomorrow. So maybe just wanting to get him work, which I guess there's not a problem with. As long as he is available, if you need him tomorrow, because you're going to face a pretty good Cardinals team. Was there anything else in this game that stood out to you? I know one of the things that I want to ask you about maybe later, but if you want to get to it now, we talked about in the pregame, you love it, the Reds' use of Michael Lorenzen at times. And now we see him on the mound. Yeah, I'm not sure if I love it or not. It's just what they're doing, and that's just the way it is. But I think when you look at the Reds, just a couple things stood out to me. Number one is they don't have a pure center fielder. A few years ago when they played um, Simpson Chu in center field, you know, he was an offensive type guy, but not a pure center fielder. I think that's what they have also this year. Now, so with Schwebler out there, when you're putting a pitcher out there because you think he's a better defender than your starting center fielder, you know, that says a lot. The other fact that they threw the ball around today and they had four errors. So, you know, they gave Pittsburgh an opportunity to score runs. We're going to take a break here on Pirates Post Game, brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. When we get back, today's winning pitcher, Trevor Williams, is scheduled to join us. We'll talk to him about today's performance and look at a little bit more of this game here on Pirates Post Game. There's a ground ball, base hit into right field for Trevor Williams. Melky Cabrera chugging home. Yasiel Puig's throw is cut off, and the Pirates lead 2 to nothing. Trevor Williams, the early lead for the Marty Brenneman Award. How about that? Way to go, Trevor. Today's highlight of the game is brought to you by High Tech Auto Care. Craig Riley alongside Jack Zarensic. We should be joined any minute now by today's winning pitcher, Trevor Williams. Six innings pitched, three hits, one walk, six Ks, looking like he's picking up where he left off last year, hopefully for the Pirates. That is possibly the best news you could see as a Pirates fan early in the year like this. Jack, before we get Trevor in here, one thing I wanted to ask you about from today's game was the failed challenge the Pirates had on that Eric Gonzalez played at first base. 
one, what you thought of the challenge, the call, and two, just your thoughts on replay and baseball in general. You know, that's interesting because a few years ago, I talked to a lot of big league players and asked them, ex-big league players, and asked them their thoughts on instant replay. I was kind of up in the air with it because I thought it would delay the game, and the game is already delayed enough as it is. But all of them said that I talked to, get the call right. At the end of the day, just get the call right. And I think that's how players feel for the most part. So, you know, it's part of what we live in today. It's not going to change. It's here. It's it's part of the game now. So at the end, uh, you look at it and you make the call. And oftentimes, not often, but a, a few times, even this replay doesn't give you a definitive. So, therefore, uh, there are mistakes made. And as a result, it's either – it's either going to be an out call or a safe call, and everybody lives with it. But the process is in place, and it's here to stay. I think the next step that people are looking at is the balls and strikes being called. Do you think, or how would you feel if we ever got to that point? Well, I had these feelings, and I said it over the last couple of years. You know, right now, when you think about it, you know, you have umpires on a field who don't have the final say so. Uh, instant replay has the final say so. So that is the world we live in. So when you make a call at second base, you make a bang-bang call at first. If you don't like it, let's look at it, and it's overturned or it stands. Uh, Now, if you put balls and strikes on an electronic system, then my question would be, why do you need four umpires? Because then you could say, well, we could come up with some system where we'll have replay in every ballpark and instantly we'll tell an umpire what to do. So – to me, the human element has been taken away, and I, and I know years ago that's why they went to replay. You think about how umpires had their own strike zone. Certain pitchers got strikes that other pitchers didn't get. Certain teams got strike zones that others didn't get. Atlanta was probably the most famous for that. It's just the way that Glavin and, and Smoltz and those guys pitched. They got a lot of breaks, and as a result, you know, it's now it's now condensed. You have you these umpires are scrutinized a lot more than they were in the past. They are now forced to be uh, more in line with what Major League Baseball wants. And some umpire can't have his own strike zone because that's what he wants it to be. He has to have a strike zone that is as similar to the rest of them in a the league. The Pirates get to 1-1 one one on the year with a 5 nothing win over the Reds today on the shoulders of Trevor Williams. If you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 412-928-9370. We'll take your calls on anything you want to talk about in today's win. Jack, some other things that stood out to me in this game. We talked yesterday and today a little bit about the way the team had approached Starling Marte in the offseason and what we would see from him this year. And I feel with the first chance that we got to see him, the focus, the hustle, everything was sort of there from him today. A, a complete game, I felt like, from him. Well, you see that on a, you see that from him, I think, more than you don't see it from him. Uh, you know, I think he goes out and he plays hard. He gives you all he has. Uh, there are those lapses from time to time, which I think people point to. And I think this was the reason that that became a big issue this offseason, at least at the beginning of spring training, when they sat down with him and talked to him and explained to him the kind of role they want him to play this year. So very talented player. Uh, but, you know, again, players are what they are. They're going to go out and they're going to play the way their ability is. They're going to play the way their mindset is. Uh, you want to motivate guys. You want them to do more. But we'll find out. We'll just have to watch this unfold and, and, and see what Starling Marte what does. He's, Starling Marte, in my opinion, and I said this the last couple of times we were on the air together, 
he's as talented as anybody in the game. I mean, he can do everything in the game. He can run. He can steal. He's a great defender. He's got power. Uh, he, he can do a lot of things. It's the lapses from here to there that I think have people concerned, and this is what they're trying to do is condense those lapses and have him become more of a complete player on a consistent basis. Now, on the other side of the field, somebody that the Reds are hoping for a lot more from, Sonny Gray that they brought over from the Yankees, two and two-thirds, five hits, two earned runs, three runs total, four walks. You are familiar with Sonny Gray from his time in the American League. What did you see from him today, Jack? Well, he struggled. I think when you look at his his line, you know, he goes two and two-thirds innings, has four walks. And the one thing you have to be careful with is on a day like today, sometimes you just don't feel the baseball. You know, sometimes you just don't have the grip. Now, Trevor Williams, that wasn't the case. I mean, he was outstanding. But it affects everyone, a lot of players, in a different way. I mean, you could look at Vasquez today and say 25 pitches in a relief roll. But you're sitting out in the bullpen for eight innings of a ball game, and you're coming in to pitch or yeah, coming in to pitch a night. So, you know, in Sonny Gray's case, I'm not sure this is a Sonny Gray that that was five years ago when he was an All Star. Uh, that wasn't the case last year in New York. And I think what you're getting out of Sonny Gray is a veteran guy who's probably going to be around the 500 pitcher for you. Today he was not, but we'll have to wait and watch him pitch more consistently and watch his outings from here on out. Well, Jack, one guy I want to hear from as we wait for Trevor Williams to join us is manager Clint Hurdle. We met with the media following the game. Let's take a listen in on that now. Well, it was just a good day of baseball for us. Um, All around, all around team effort. Caught it on defense. We pitched it extremely well. Uh, And we were, you know, we were continually putting pressure on the other team from the offensive side. We played at five. We left a few more out there. No doubt. Taking our walks and moving on, giving other guys opportunities to drive in runs. I didn't have I didn't have Williams driving in two runs here before the game started. Yeah, many people had doubled his career total. Um, what uh, he was fantastic today. How do you think he just picked up where he left off last season to start? It's a good start, man. It's it's a it's a fresh year. Uh, again, the fastball played all four quadrants, and he used it up extremely well today. First pitch strikes were setting the tone. 16 out of 16 out of 21. Only two three-ball counts. Ten guys retired on three pitches, so he was efficient. He used the curveball twice, and both of them were two for, for two big pitches. Uh, one was a swing and miss by Peraza. Um, he moved the change up into play against the right-handed hitters, which kept, kept them off balance. But the fastball was his go-to pitch today, which is so effective with location. He got 11 swings and misses on the fastball. Is that because he was in all four quadrants with him? I think that's part of it, and I think it's a lot of his studying over the winter and his continued evolution of where he can go or where he wants to try and go. He had excellent command today, which gives you an opportunity to pull that off. Do you like the way you went after Puig, too? The only jam he was in, three fastballs, goes up in the zone for, for that, just his confidence and going after Puig. I would have liked it out anyway at that point. So, I mean, you can make of it what you want if it's three fastballs. It's just he has a lot of confidence in his fastball, and we've got confidence in him throwing his fastball. There's no reason not to. Um, and he'll be the first one to tell you when he can get it spotted up where he wants it to go, it, it makes it a different dynamic for the other pitches to play. But changing eye levels with the fastball was, was one of his strengths today. What did you see with Vasquez? Well, he just got to the point. He's five days off. That's what I saw. What did you think of Joe? Uh, doesn't have the bullpen very often to come in and get six up, six down. No, it was 
something we talked about during the rain delay yesterday. How do we best serve him and the team moving forward? And it had to be a team win because, you know, there's it's not the norm. And he hasn't been asked to do it in a while. He's got experience doing it. So that wasn't an issue. He wanted to get in today. He needed to pitch today, we felt. Um, as the game presented us the opportunity for us to use uh, to use him and get him stretched out a little bit to throw some pitches. Um, and I thought he threw all his pitches. I mean, retired all six hitters, mixed in his curveball and his changeup. So, you know, very rarely do you say a guy got his work in in a major league game. It's three nothing when you're going in, but he went in and was very. After it was, became five and was very efficient. Starling impacted this game in a couple different areas offensively. What's it like to see him when he can? Do that. Use his speed. Take a walk. You know, hit a ball hard. We've seen it before. He's he's been a guy that's been a catalyst for us. When his game is to gather and roll, and it seems to be a contagion for everybody. He's got five tools that he can throw out there, and we'll encourage him to keep playing um, with a fresh mindset and from a position of experience uh, that he's gotten out of a position of maturity. And he went out there and played a very good baseball game today. Thank you. Jack, one thing I heard Clint Hurdle mention there that I also saw Michael McHenry tweet during the game was about this curveball from Trevor Williams. It's something he worked on during the spring, trying to add it to the repertoire. How dangerous do you think this guy is now, adding the curveball to the mix and just being an overall pitcher that had a bunch of different pitches he mixed in, and now to have that curve to go to as well when he really needs it? It gives you another pitch. It expands your repertoire. So if you are a sinker, fastball, four-seam, two-seam type guy, and you have a slider and a changeup, now you give him that look-see curveball, which I only think he threw twice today. But the fact that it is another pitch that they don't expect, then when you get up there, your arsenal is expanded. So instead of looking fastball, slider, maybe a changeup, now I've got to pay attention to a curveball, which is a different pitch. It's a different speed. It's a different break. So a hitter can't say, well, I'm just not going to swing at this pitch or eliminate that pitch. I'm going to sit on something. You now, with another pitch, it gives him, it gives the pitcher more of a chance to upset the hitter and what they're trying to accomplish. And I think that's one of the things I like so much about Trevor Williams is that he feels just like a pro, like they're all pros, but like a professional pitcher, not a thrower like some guys are, like studies his craft. You heard Hurdle talk about it, the way he located the fastball, moved it around based off where different, based off what he studied of guys and where their weaknesses maybe are. It's just that he's cerebral about the game, not just going out there and throwing. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he is that throwback, that old fashioned pitcher, you know, the guy that, locates, and I'm going to ask him this question when we get him on, but the guy that locates, the guy that understands what hitters are trying to do, he uses all quadrants of the strike zone, moves it in, out, up, down, changes speeds, and he's got a – my guess is not being a hitter but sitting there watching him and how hitters react to him, that he hides the baseball very well. And by that, sometimes you see guys that throw 95, 97, but you see the baseball. You just see it out of their hand. There are other pitchers that are deceiving where you don't see the baseball until it's out of their hand on its way. So because of the lack of velocity, which some guys have, and a guy like Trevor Williams, his deception works in his favor tremendously. And, and it looks like that's exactly part of what why he's so successful. Well, Jack, we're going to welcome in today's winning pitcher. Trevor Williams joins us. 
Trevor, six innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, six Ks. What did it feel like to be able to sort of pick up where you left off last year? It was great. You know, it's uh, the off-season work and the, the work you put in in spring training um, carries over into the season, and uh, we were able to do that. And I was thankful for um, JMO giving us a good look on the first night, especially with the, uh, with the new lineup that the Reds are running out. So there's a lot of new faces on that team. Um, so we weren't as familiar as uh, we usually are with the Reds. So uh, we got a good look on opening night and uh, carried over the game plan into today. And, you know, it was exciting to get, excuse me, to pick up uh, where we left off and, uh, and get our first win of the season going into uh, the home opener tomorrow. Well, Trevor, this is Jackson Renser. Congratulations on, on another great outing and, and certainly carrying over what you did a year ago. The question I have for you is for our fans that are out there listening, you know, you talk oftentimes about pitchers that are able to read hitters' swings. You also talk about pitchers, which I was just speaking to, that hide the baseball. And it looks to me that those are two things that you do very well. Can you talk about that briefly? Yeah, you've got to um, you have to adjust in game. You know, you're going to go with a game plan, um, your plan A. But if, if guys are giving you different looks at the plate than what you're accustomed to, then then you have to adjust. Um, you know, and I, I owe a lot of credit to Servi and, and to the other catchers for picking up on that before I do, um, and, and trusting what they're seeing and trusting their eyes. Um, pitching is just it's adjusting timing or messing with timing and trying to miss the barrel of the bat. So um, how we do that is 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 altering leg kicks, um, picking up faster, um, trying to hide the ball, and trying to spin the ball the last second, um, those last uh, 10, 15 feet to, to miss the barrel. Trevor, one thing we heard Clint Hurdle mention in his post game, and something I saw Michael McHenry tweet about as well, Jack and I were just discussing it, that curveball that you turned to a couple times today that you worked on this spring, what does it mean to have that extra pitch just added to the arsenal for you now? Uh, it's it's a good weapon, you know. It's something that we worked on in spring training. It's something that uh, we were able to by doing the sim games early on. Um, it, 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 I'm now comfortable with it to throw it in any situation, and we got a big out. And my intention with that pitch is it, it's still my fourth best pitch, but it's it's something that um, will turn a 5.2 outing into a six inning or a 6.2 into a seven. So it's uh, it got me an extra out when I needed it today, and uh, I like to continue to use it. But like I said. It's my fourth best pitch now, but um, it could get better and it could become uh, you know, my second or my third. And that's something else I wanted to ask you about. You said the difference of having a pitch like that is from getting a little bit deeper into the games. I think that's one of the things that when you look at a pitcher's maturation and as their career progresses, getting to that point where when it's time to put your foot down late in the game, you do it. And that's exactly what you, we saw from you today. What does it feel like when you know they're turning to you late in the game in that sixth inning and you get that strikeout on Puig to end it? Yeah, you know, it's 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 a lot of trust. Um, you know, we're going into our third season, third full season now, and it's a trust. And, and Clint and the guys know what they're going to get out of me. And, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, we were pitching well enough to, to continue, continue to roll with it. And uh, I trusted Serbian and his pitch calling, and we were able to, to get that strikeout at the end and, and turn it over to the bullpen. All right, enough about what you did on the mound. Everybody knows that was very impressive. What about the day at the plate? What's it like from the pitcher's perspective being able to contribute like that as well? Uh, it was great, you know. I uh, it was great to uh, to be able to help out on the other side of the on the on the baseball as well. Um, I blacked out, so I don't know what happened. I'm gonna have to watch, uh, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to watch some some replays and see what happens. Well, one of the things I find interesting about you, Trevor, I was reading what Adam Barry wrote about you and talked about repeating what you did last year and sort of channeling some anger that you found last year. Were you were you able to channel that on both sides of the diamond today? Do you bring that still, or is that something you're looking to carry over from last year? 
Yeah, you, you just have to constantly adjust. You do a temperature check before the game, and um, do I need to build myself up a little bit today, or do I need to take a little bit off? And uh, um, it's recognizing that early and uh, taking it into your start. And really, it's any by any, pitch by pitch, um, what you need to do uh, mentally to, to prepare yourself and give yourself the, the best chance. Well, last thing I'll ask you about, Trevor, and we'll let you go. 16 of 21 first pitch strikes. How important is that for you to get out ahead in counts like that? Uh, it's huge. It's everything. You know, when when the hitter is 0-1, um, it puts them in a little bit of a hole. Um, they're a swing and ball club. Um, above those 16 first pitch strikes, I wouldn't be surprised if it was more than 10 of those were swinging. Um, so it's no secret, but it's also a team that you have to be okay going 1-0, um, going Oh one to one one instead of oh one to oh two. Um, you, should, you just have to see how they're swinging it because uh, they, they could do damage early on. Well, Trevor, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for taking out some time for us today, and congratulations on just a great first start to the year. Definitely, thank you guys. See you tomorrow. Jack, I love everything I hear from that guy. I think after a start like that, don't you? <laughs> well, you know, I think what he comes across as he's a thinking man's pitcher. You know, it's not a guy that's blessed with great stuff. But it's a guy that does things. He gave a little tip there where he alters his late kick a little bit, tries to speed it up sometimes, tries to slow it down a little bit. He's got movement to the fastball. And I think any any hitter will tell you it is more difficult to hit a 91-mile-an-hour fastball that's got life to it, sinking, diving, as opposed to a 96, 97-mile-an-hour fastball that's straight as a string. So those are the things, I think, some of the things that lead to his success. And it's just fun to watch a guy like that that has so many different weapons he can use to keep hitters off balance because there's plenty of guys who can go out there and they throw gas. I mean, it's a lot of relievers that you see like that that just are going to throw as hard as they can and see if you can hit it. Like an Araldis Chapman, Chapman, for example, is a guy I think of when I think of that sort of pitcher. But there's something just more fun for me. I mean, it's fun to watch anybody dominate. But to watch a guy like Trevor Williams dominate by keeping hitters off balance, mixing in different pitches, it just is so it's so enjoyable to watch. You talk about people not liking sort of those 0-0 pitcher games at time in this generation of baseball that we're in. I can watch a guy like Trevor Williams pitch a game like that any day of the week. Well, if you appreciate baseball and you understand the art of pitching, then a guy like Trevor Williams is a guy that you want to watch pitch. You know, you think back at the days when you had the Koufaxes and the Drysdales and the Bob Gibsons, you know, those guys, Tom Seavers, Warren Spawn, people were flocked to the ballpark on a day they pitched. Trevor Williams, a guy that doesn't light you up. He's a guy that doesn't, you don't look at him and you go, this guy's just got incredible stuff. But the results, he they mishit his fastball. And, I mean, that is a big key to his success. When they swing at it, it slides off the barrel of the bat. They get it on the end. They get jammed. He moves it up. He moves it down. As a result, he's in control, and I think we saw that again today. Well, coming up on the Pirates post game, brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman, we're going to talk some more about today's game, some guys that were key contributors to it, what we saw out of that bullpen, and a guy like Musgrove who got to pitch out of the bullpen today. But also, Jack, I want to take a look around the NL Central, some other big-time stats being put up by guys we're going to see here in the not-too-distant future. That's all coming up next here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. And the pitch. Ground ball knocked down by the pitcher. Gray, a little toss to the plate for one to first. Double play. Wow. Unbelievable. A 1-2-3 inning-ending double play to end the Pirates' half of the second inning. They pick up one. We'll go to the bottom of the second. Pittsburgh two. Cincinnati nothing. 
That was one of the few things that went right for red starter Sonny Gray today. We're calling that the good hands defensive play of the day brought to you by Roberto Clemente Jr. Family Insurance. Jack, we saw a rough day sort of all around for the Reds. Sonny Gray has a rough day. You have four airs, plenty of guys left on base. They looked lights out first game against the Pirates. And then today you see some of the warts that this team has. Being a younger team like we talked about, is that just something that they'll have to learn is growing pains throughout the year? Early in the year, you never really know. You're talking about 35-degree weather when a game ended. You know, it was 30. Who knows what it was? 30 probably. And you have an error by Sonny Gray, a pitcher. You have another error by a pitcher. Then you have a, a throw by a third baseman who's a veteran guy. Then he really had no business making the throw. So I think when you look at those three particular errors, you can say some of it was just one of those things. You know, I, I do think that it's going to be interesting to watch them. Although Iglesias is a good shortstop, they should be good defensively everywhere else in the infield. Uh, I think Winker's going to be fine in the outfield. We know Puig is a is an interesting character in the outfield. He's got great talent, but he can be an adventure out there. But then Schwarber, I mean, um, in center field, what's going to happen there is they they have a center fielder that he's there because of offense, not because of defense. So, you know, it'll be interesting. And Barnhart's pretty good, but I just think it was just one of those days when it just just wasn't a good day for Cincinnati. And you know, Clint said, hey, it was our day. We did good today. We had a nice game. Yeah, you did. Cincinnati didn't have a good game. So as a result, you get a win, chalk it up, look forward to Monday. And we talked about that weather in the pregame show, about these games early in the year, how they impact teams. So obviously that's playing a role today. If you want to join the conversation, you can get in on it with Jack and myself at 412-928-9370. Jack, as I look a little bit more at the Reds, you look at Luis Castillo, he was really impressive that first game of the year, and he's the guy that they're going to rely on. But if the Reds don't get the sunny gray they're hoping for this year, is this a team that can be in trouble? I mean, they have the bats, but... If Sonny Gray's not one of the guys for them this year, it could be problematic, I think. It'll be interesting because you have Sonny Gray, who's this point in time in his career, he's really a back-end starter. And then you have Tanner Roark. He's a similar scenario there. He's a back-end starter. So those were two big pieces. Now, Alex Wood, you know, who's on a DL for them right now that was in the Dodger trade that they made, you know, they have high hopes for him. But, you know, as I said before, you know, when you think about undersized right-handers, Typically, their careers, when they fall off, they fall off. And you're talking about Sonny Gray, who's a five foot ten right-hander, who's got a handful of years in the big leagues. You know, we'll see what happens. And he's pitching in a pitcher's, and I mean, a very uh, hitter-friendly ballpark. So it's going to be very challenging for him. It's going to be very challenging for Tanner Roark. But, you know, that's what the, the Cincinnati Reds decided to do. They've tried to go with all those young pitchers for the last three years. Some of them are now on their staff. Some are in the bullpen. Some are traded. So, therefore, they decided, you know what, we've got some offense. Let's try to hit our way to a championship. Uh, And, by the way, let's bring in some veteran pitchers who we think can give us some innings. But we'll have to wait and see. Well, Gray also provided the Pirates with the break of the game, brought to you by Leon's Billiards and more in Wexford or online at leonsbilliards.com. What is it like and how tough is it to watch a pitcher as he walked the opposing pitcher with the bases loaded, letting Trevor Williams get that first RBI in the bottom of the third? 
that was not a good outing. I mean, you think in last year, I think he averaged somewhere around 90 to 93 miles an hour. Uh, this year, I mean, the first outing here, again, the weather was terrible. So you can you can chalk some of that up to maybe he just couldn't get loose. Maybe it was just one of those days. But his velo was in that 88 to 90 mile an hour range. So, you know, clearly he was affected by the weather. And we'll just, again, you have to just wait and see. And uh, for him to walk, as, as many guys as he did, as well as not have command, and then to walk the pitcher, you know, it's just uh, the icing on a cake in terms of a bad outing. And like you said about the velocity, maybe the weather impacting it, we heard John Wayner point out that Jared Hughes' velocity also looked like it was way down today. So maybe that's just a product of the weather and what these guys are pitching in, which, like we said earlier, is something we talked about on the pregame show, that early in the year you just sort of have, I mean, no pun intended, you just have to weather the storm, get through these games, and wait for that warmer weather, I guess. Well, we can go back to a year ago, Craig. Think about this. That Vasquez, when he started out in April, he was throwing 96, 97, and there were people that were concerned. You know, boy, his velocity's really dro- dropped, you know. All of a sudden, once the weather warmed up, he's back up to 100, 101, 102. So it does affect pitchers, and it affects everyone differently. And it may have had a big effect on Sonny Gray today. But, again, you're just going to have to wait and see what Sonny Gray really is as the year unfolds. And we saw Vasquez today, the two-thirds of an inning, gave up the hit, the walk, and a strikeout, had his struggles there. And it was just one batter we saw from Keone Kella, but it was an impressive one, didn't you think, Jack? No doubt. I mean, look, we talked about this the other day. When you acquired Kella, he had 25 saves. Vasquez had 25 saves at the same time. So now you add a closer to ask him to pitch your eighth inning of your ball game. So now, well, technically, what you've got, you've got a right-handed closer and a left-handed closer. One's going to pitch the eighth. The other's going to pitch the ninth. That is a pretty good pretty good prescription to have success. And that's one thing I'm hoping to see more from them this year. We talked about in the pregame show that if they got to sort of the seventh inning, would we see Musgrove? So it was interesting that it was him that they went to instead of maybe bringing in Crick and putting in Kella and Vasquez, maybe just trying to protect some of those guys and getting Musgrove work, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's really what I got down to because when you think about it, Musgrove is going to make the start on Friday. So if he doesn't get in today's ball game, you're talking about a lengthy period of time before he really faces hitters. So the fact that he got in the ball game today, I think, was good. The fact that he went a couple innings was also good, and the fact that Kella and Vasquez both got their feet on the mound, I think, was also good. And in case people aren't aware about Musgrove getting skipped, Jordan Lyles will be back. They had announced today that he will pitch on Thursday. Musgrove will start on Friday and did pitch out of the bullpen today. Trevor Williams' next start coming on Saturday. All of that sort of fallout from yesterday's postponement. Go to the phone lines if you want to join the conversation. It's 412-928-9370. Jack, one of your guys, the Matt Hungarian, wants to talk about pitching. Matt, how are you doing? Oh, so I'm glad you called me mad. You uh, dropped all the formality, huh? <laughs> yeah, you told me yesterday to do that, I thought. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. well, you're a quick learner, Craig. You're a uh-huh. quick learner. Uh, I would like to know, after this pitching gem, um, Steve Carlton won 27 games in 72. Uh, what is the upper limit that a pitcher can win these days? Uh, 22, 24, can he even win 20 uh, way, uh, with all those pitchers they got? Greg, you know, the one thing I think, Mad, is you think about this as well, that pitchers, if a guy makes 32 starts in this day and age, right. that's, that's a very, very productive season. So when you start figuring out how your club's going to score for you offensively, you don't really know that. So guys can go out and have five or six or seven outings where his team doesn't score for him. So it would be very difficult for him to win. Sometimes he leaves with a tie score. 
So, you know, you'd love, you don't see very many 20-game winners like you did years ago, too, because you're not getting the starts the guys did. So it's hard to say. You know, last year, what did he have, 14 wins last year? I think both he and uh, Tyone had 14 wins. If you can get yourself in those upper teens, if you could get a 20-game winner, that would be sensational. But, you know, those days seem to be, uh, you know, dwindling more and more as time goes on and, and is the way the game's played today. Yeah, I think 20 is going to be uh, – I, I think that's going to be an impossible number here pretty soon, especially with the large pitching staffs and all that stuff. But uh, what do I know? I mean, uh, where, where I come from, they throw dead goats around into a goal for uh, for a game and call that a game, so, you know. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that, so we're <laughs> – but, Jack, I think one of the things I like from Trevor Williams, too, today, the 80 pitches was a very manageable number. He kept that pitch count down and really worked his way through innings efficiently, which is something we saw from him late in the year last year as well. That is a real positive sign because I think the one thing you're going to get out of both he and Tyone is they are pitchers that use their stuff efficiently. You used the word. I used it earlier. That's what they are. They're efficient pitchers. Now, Tyone's got really good stuff. Trevor Williams has got a lot going for him. So when you start thinking about how your bullpen is affected by how your starting pitcher, how your starting pitching is effective, it's really it's hand in hand. So when you start thinking, if I can get a couple guys in my rotation to get me into the sixth and seventh inning, if we're fortunate on given days, then that really turns it over to what looks like a really good bullpen here. It also takes the pressure off your three, four, and five starters. And in this particular case where you have right now your third starter uh, being Chris Archer, who's a veteran guy who can strike guys out, now you're looking at your your fourth and fifth starter that on given days when your bullpen may be stressed if they don't have a good outing, uh, it, it, it just all works hand in hand. But when you can get the efficiency out of two guys in your rotation like we're getting out of these two guys, that is a real plus for your starting staff. And I think it's no secret that this team's success this year will probably come through the pitching staff. So like you said, it is nice to see a guy like Trevor Williams go those six full innings now because I look at it like with Crick, Kella, and Vasquez is seven, eight, nine. You got a pretty good chance of shutting that down. And then I feel like Chris Archer's a guy that you can most of the time try and get six innings out of. Joe Musgrove, a, the bit of the question mark because he doesn't have he's not as established as some of the other guys but seems like the kind of guy that could get you late in the game. So if they can do that, like you said, getting to that bullpen at the right times and not stretching them out, that sort of, to me, could be a big difference between what we saw last year to this year and a key to maybe getting a few more wins and getting into that wild card race where they were a little bit further out of it last year. And you have to stay healthy. I mean, I think that's the big thing. You don't need to lose Trevor Williams to some freak freak thing along the year. You know, some point in time, you got to get up Tyone, give you the best he can. Both of these guys were, were really good pitchers for you a year ago. It'll be interesting to watch Chris Archer now that he's got his feet on the ground here. And as you stated, what is Musgrove? You know, and, and what is Jordan Lyles? And you're not going to get through the season with five starting pitchers. It's just impossible. So you're going to get into who's your sixth starter, your seventh starter, your eighth starter, your ninth starter. That, that At the end, those are the things that are really going to help you. The positive here is it looks like they've got not only two guys at the end of their bullpen, but they've also got some lead-up guys if they stay healthy and if they're able to follow through what they did a year ago, which really bodes well for this club. Well, coming up on Pirates postgame, brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman, we'll – 
wrap up today's game, give some final thoughts on that. But, Jack, I also want to take a look at some key players in the NL Central that the Pirates are going to have to face soon. And if you want to join the conversation, the number is 412-928-9370 here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Strikes out Yasiel Puig. Trevor Williams starts out 2019 with what else? Six shutout innings. We go to the seventh. Pirates three, Reds nothing. Craig Riley alongside Jack Sorensic here breaking down today's 5-0 Pirates win with a huge start from Trevor Williams. Want to give our final thoughts sort of on today's game, take a look around the NL Central and get your calls in here before we wrap things up and hand it off to Tab Douglas. Jack, I think one of the things I liked most about Trevor Williams' start isn't just that he was phenomenal, but it was that we saw that trust in him from Clint Hurdle to leave him in towards the end of the sixth inning, and he gets rewarded with that Puig strikeout from Williams to to finish off the inning. You know, it was interesting. A year ago, you might recall this when, I think it was against Philadelphia, when uh, Tyon had a really good game going. And Clint went out to the mound, I think it was in the sixth inning, and he pulled him out after a double. And Tyone was really upset with it. His pitch count was low. Um, he had only given up a couple of hits. And that became quite of a discussion where uh, Tyone talked about it in the postgame where he was disappointed. Clint ended up sitting down with him. The next day they had another face-to-face meeting. From that point on, Tyone let him know, hey, I want to be the guy. I want to pitch deep into ball games." Well, you're seeing that out of Trevor Williams. You know, it's the same kind of attitude, the same kind of approach. Don't take me out. I can get you deeper in ball games. So, you know, it's interesting. This is good to see. This is all good stuff. So congratulations to Trevor and the Pirates on a very nice win. It's nice to see that trust rewarded in his pitcher like that, too, because they did stick with Tyone, it felt like, in the opener. And he got into a little bit of a jam that they had to try and work their way out of and obviously didn't. But Trevor Williams puts his foot down to make sure that's not the case today. Greg in Youngstown wants to join the conversation. Go ahead, Greg. Hey, guys. How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, again, the pitching, Williams, in my opinion, is our best starter. I think he's better than Tyon. He's just a better pitcher. I mean, we have a good pitching staff this year. But the problem with this team, and it was last year, when you get guys in scoring position, you got to get them home if you can't hit home runs. I mean, Dickerson's plate appearance with the bases loaded was not very good, swinging at the first pitch. And then we had a guy in first and third, and they short something into a double play. You got to get guys home. We should have had eight or ten runs today, and I don't think it's acceptable when our pitcher has to drive in two runs instead of our hitters. That's that's my opinion. I mean, that's why we're not going to you know compete for a wild card because of that. Well, thanks, Greg. We appreciate the call, Jack. I do think a couple of things. I mean, there was a lot of positive in today's game, but he brought up Corey Dickerson, and you saw Eric Gonzalez go zero for four. That's, I mean, I don't think you're expecting a lot from Gonzalez this year at the plate. It's more defensively, but that was disappointing nonetheless from him in some key situations. You know, the one thing I speak about a lot is expectations. You know, when you think about this ball club and you look at the pitching staff, you look at the bullpen, you look at the starting defense, and you look at offense, and you say to yourself, let's be realistic. What are your expectations for this offense? They're not going to be able to go toe-to-toe with any club that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. What they have to do is they have to drive in runs when they get the opportunities. And that didn't happen today. They got five runs. That was good. But like Greg said, they could have they could have scored a lot of runs today if they would have got key hits. But when you don't hit the ball out of the ballpark, and that makes it easy to hit a three-run – I mean, not easy, but when you get a three-run homer, boy, that, that helps everything. But there were no home runs today. 
And I think the one thing you have to remember, you have to watch this unfold. You know, if this continues and we're looking at this a, a week from now, a month from now, two months from now, then I think then those that are looking at the club saying there's not, an offensive, not enough offensive power here, they would be right. But early in the year like this, playing in 30-degree weather, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to make a judgment on one day. Um, you know, you look at Cincinnati today. If you're a Cincinnati fan, you've got to say this is not a very good ball club. You know, so we don't have much pitching. However, we'll see. We'll see how it unfolds. We all know what the strength of the staff is, what it's supposed to be, starting pitching and their bullpen. That's going to have to carry them. Are they going to be able to get enough runs to, to put themselves in a, uh, in a pennant race? We're going to have to wait and see. Guys are going to have to have good years, and you're going to have to have two or three or four guys on your club have really good years and carry you. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have days when you're frustrated because you leave 11 men on base. And I like what you said there about expectations because that's what we sort of talked about yesterday was the expectations of how this team wins. And it is on the pitching. The bats, it leaves a little bit to be desired, and there are a lot of question marks that if they work out, things can go well. But a lot of it's going to come down to the pitching. And you mentioned no home runs today, but that does not mean we don't have a home run report brought to you by Flynn's Auto Service, your hometown tire and auto service experts. While the Pirates didn't hit any, a couple of guys in the division, Jack, have been pretty active. Christian Yelich tied an MLB record for a home run in four straight to start the season. Five other players have done it. Listen to the company he's in right now. Trevor Story in 2016, Chris Davis in 2013, Nelson Cruz in 2011, Mark McGuire in 1998, and Willie Mays in 1971. So Christian Yelich already picking up where he left off last year. Well, you're talking about the MVP in the league, and, that, and I said it last year, um, and, and it's so true. When you think about going out and making an acquisition in the offseason, any club in baseball can do it. We've seen, we've seen clubs every single year sign guys. But then you make an acquisition that wins the MVP for you, and your club goes to the playoffs, a pretty re- come one game from going to the World Series, pretty remarkable. So, again, you've got to tip your hat to Mark Antanasio. You've got to tip your hat to those in – in um, Milwaukee because it was spectacular what they did. I mean, those are things that you hope for. Those are things that you write down on paper and hope they work out. Those are moves that you make with your, you know, hope with your fingers crossed saying, I hope this is the one. Hey, and they did. You know, they signed a great free agent. They made a terrific trade. They traded prospects, and they brought back a guy that won the MVP. That is pretty, pretty spectacular. Well, it's another acquisition in the division as well that's off to a hot start. Paul Goldschmidt hit his fourth home run today. He has four and four games. He already hit three in one game. He hit his fourth home run last year. He had 33 total last year. It took him his 44th game to hit his fourth home run, and he's already there now. We will see him and the Cardinals tomorrow, so it'll be interesting. Jack, I want to look ahead just a little bit to tomorrow's matchup. We've got Chris Archer and Adam Wainwright. What are you expecting as we talk about expectations from that pitching matchup? I don't know what we have in Adam Wainwright. We know what he was a year ago. He's a veteran guy. He's been a very good major league pitcher. Uh, again, we saw a guy that was a pretty good major league pitcher today just basically implode on the mound. So Wainwright coming off the kind of year he had a year ago, the velocity's not there that it was at one time. You know, he's a different pitcher than he was five, six years ago. In terms of Archer, 
this is the challenge that you put before Archer. You know, now you're getting a chance to start the home opener. I know he's going to be amped up. He's going to be pumped. You know this guy can strike guys out. What you're asking him to do is follow up what these other two pitchers have done right before you. And if he can get you into the sixth inning, and if you're fortunate into the seventh inning, then that's a very successful outing for him. Well, we've talked about Trevor Williams and whether or not he would have picked up where he left off last year, and he certainly did today. Chris Archer hoping for the same, a 270 ERA and 36 strikeouts over his final five starts in 30 innings. So we'll have to wait and see what he can do tomorrow. Jack, we'll wrap things up then. We're on 1140 tomorrow live from PNC Park as we get everybody ready for Chris Archer versus Adam Wainwright. For Jack Sorensic, myself, Craig Riley, this has been Pirates Post Game brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan.